0: Welcome to Revenge of the Drive-In, the podcast where Jim and Patrick cover two movies randomly selected from a list of over 2,000. We usually talk about horror movies, action movies, low-budget cult movies, and, well, I guess now we're doing porn because we've got <laughs> Emmanuel. And Jim, what are we going with the title for the second movie? It's got a few different titles. I like
1: Super Dragon versus Superman. That's what I like.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what IMDb has. Tubi has Bruce Lee versus Superman. I think Letterboxd has Bruce Lee against Supermen. Yeah. So also, any combination of either Bruce Lee or Super Dragon and Superman or Superman, and then any, either against or versus any kind of <laughs> any synonym. Perhaps. Well, you can also
1: you can also swap out Superman and Supermen.
0: And guess what? Bruce Lee's not in it. So we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> because it is a Bruce Playtation flick which uh, is something, uh, a genre, a movement of film that we talked about a bit with Game of Death. I've been looking forward to covering one. At the time when we did Game of Death, I hadn't even seen a single Bruce Plotation film. I have since seen The Clones of Bruce Lee, but I think that's the only other one. The Clones (laughs) of Bruce Lee might be the most famous one, because that stars, I believe, the... I think I saw it referred to as the Mount Rushmore of Bruce Plotation actors. It stars the big four. There's Bruce Lee who Bruce Lee was the one in pieces he's the kung fu professor
1: yes okay yeah uh,
0: there's Bruce Bruce Lee who's the one in this film i don't i think there's a Bruce Leon and i don't remember <laughs> maybe the fourth one doesn't really have a Bruce Lee name all that having been said let's start with the bigger hit of the first uh, of of the two films and that is emmanuel believe it or not this was an x-rated film that was a huge hit and mm-hmm. before we really discuss the plot i i think this movie begs the question or you know it, it begs for a discussion here and i'm not sure this is a discussion i want to have with you <laughs> okay. and i'm not sure it's a discussion <laughs> that our audience wants to listen to but <laughs> is softcore pornography truly pornography that's that's really the biggest question i think i have with emmanuel
1: well here because that because actually i was thinking about that as well because i think a lot of younger people early 20s i don't think they understand that there's different kinds of porn and and i don't mean like you know like hardcore or like bondage stuff like that i mean like you had like softcore porn and then you had
0: porn right right now i didn't know this i didn't know the difference between i had because you hear the term hardcore you don't really hear the term softcore a lot unless you like go out of your way to look for stuff. So I had never really known the difference until I saw some of the Emanuel movies. And apparently the difference, and there may be more than one difference, but the main difference I'm seeing is that core in softcore pornography, you do not see the acts of penetration. Yes, yeah. I think in softcore porn, or maybe some softcore, maybe most softcore, they're not actually having unsimulated sex. I'm not certain of that. I don't think this was one of them. But I know some of the Emmanuel movies, and definitely some of the black Emmanuel movies, which I'm a huge fan of, um, have both softcore and hardcore edits. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And so I would imagine if a film has both a softcore and a hardcore edit, they're not shooting different sex scenes. They're just including shots, and they're editing it differently for the hardcore version than the softcore version. That having been said, I don't believe this had... A hardcore version so i don't think they're having unsimulated sex but i'm not really sure
1: this movie does cross a line but i think the first sex that we see in the movie is emmanuel with her husband
0: yeah and it's kind of it's it's classic Jean. it's it's yeah. it's covered by the the nightshade they have over the bed you know i mean we get some close-ups and stuff but like it's shot it it's a it's a passionate sex scene and there's probably more passionate noises being made than in like mm-hmm. a normal drama movie that would have a sex scene but it's not too dissimilar otherwise from something that would be in an R-rated film. Yeah. But yeah, I think I agree with you. It's 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 shot in a classy way for the most part.
1: It is hard to distinguish kind of art from porn or porn from art, I guess, at a certain level.
0: Well, it's been a a huge issue in the Supreme Court as looked at this. And obviously everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about the Supreme Court now, at least when we're recording this. But goodness, I don't know if this was a lawyer or a justice. And if it was a judge, I don't know if it was a Supreme Court justice. But there's the famous definition of porn. This was this was like a legal definition of porn in America. The definition was, I know it when I see it. (laughs) <laughs> and that sounds funny and that sounds like a cop-out but at the same time it's pretty accurate and it might be the best way to distinguish porn from art yeah which means it's yeah. completely subjective and you know and, and then i think something like this film I, I i you know i'm not sure between the two there's also from the 1930s i think the ni- 1934 or so there's the supreme court case the um United States of America versus one book called Ulysses. Of course, Ulysses being the greatest novel ever written. Mm-hmm. The worst mistake the American government ever made, in my opinion, was <laughs> banning the book Ulysses. They they seized imports of it because it was deemed pornographic. This was a book written in the teens and twenties, published in full in the twenties, published in parts going back to like 1916. You know, there's a pretty graphic depiction of masturbation and there's a lot of like sex stuff in it
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the supreme court ruled and there this was like a, a effort to distinguish art from pornography and that art can have pornographic elements or, or you know pornographic details without being pornographic and i think if we think of more modern film you have something like the film love from director Gaspar Noé which came out Probably about ten years ago now. It's a now I I think it's a terrible movie. First of all, like I'm not, <laughs> but but, but Gaspar, Gaspar Noé for the most part is a well-regarded director. He's you know one of those artsy fartsy kind of. Yeah, we've I, I I don't like him, but he's made a, a you know a bunch of boundary pushing movies, very European movies. He, I think he's from yeah. Argentina originally, but he makes like French movies and stuff. And so uh, European movies equal. Lots of sex for the most part. We'll see that in Emmanuel and drug use. But, well, I don't know if that's a specific European thing, but that's definitely a Gaspar no thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is there is drug use in in Emmanuel to be fair, but yeah, the go, movie yeah. Love has a lot of sex scenes in it, and it has unsimulated sex scenes. But that, by and large, I'm sure there's some people out there that consider it a pornographic film. But for the most part, that's considered an art house film, not a pornographic film, and yet it has features in it that have for the most part been regarded as being pornographic. I think another um I think uh going back to 19, the 1970s, so this was the era of Emmanuel the porno chic era as it's been described. Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, there is unsimulated sex in that and that is regarded not just as an art house film but as one of the greatest films of all time. It's it's an incredible masterpiece of what I'll call backdoor horror, kind of like audition, where okay, it's, yeah. it's a it's a drama for ninety percent of the movie, and then it becomes a horror movie. So the the whole there is a, a fine line, and it's it's a finer line than a lot of us might think between art and porn. And Emmanuel is all over that line, really, it, it's to a point where I'm not really sure how I feel about it at the end of the day.
1: Well, you know what it actually reminds me of. I don't know if you're familiar with these, but when I was a young teen staying up past
0: uh oh uh red shoe diaries yeah exactly red shoe diaries yeah i was i I mean i've I've never seen it but i'm familiar with what it is
1: yeah it reminds me exactly of red shoe diaries
0: red shoe diaries was a television show but i think it was like i think they were like essentially it's an anthology i think each episode was essentially a movie if that may if that sounds right yeah yeah to my knowledge simulated sex scenes not genuine hardcore sex scenes not shot in a hardcore way
1: very soft core
0: but was still deemed pornographic in a way, in, in the soft core way. The other thing I want to mention, going back to legal definitions or whatever, but I was in a criminal justice class in high school, and this girl who um, I knew was was in it, and she she I think I don't know what exactly was being discussed, but the you know pornography in some way was was brought up in in how the criminal justice system looked at pornography, and she said something like. Like nowadays, Playboy isn't even really porn. Like yeah. when Playboy came out, it was like the pornography. It was like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, but like now with all the stuff that's out there in the internet and even like Hustler and like, you know, some of the other pornographic magazines were far more explicit than Playboy. Yeah. Like Playboy is nothing. And I'm like, is Emmanuel the Playboy to Deep Throat's Hustler? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I
1: you know I, I think what you brought up is really interesting,
0: and I I'd agree, I would totally agree. So you've seen deep throat, is what you're saying? I've seen bits and pieces. No, yeah, I've never I've never seen it, but I've, I've seen I've seen, yeah. I've seen was... the
1: important bits and pieces.
0: Yeah, so um, yeah, so again, porno chic era, the '70s, deep throat was a big hit that came out in '72, '73, somewhere around there. I remember seeing something on TV years ago, and deep throat it's a pornographic film it's an x-rated film it's a hardcore pornographic film but it was like a big hit some estimates and i think these are insane estimates i think they're fucking wrong but some some estimates have it as like making more money than jaws but they couldn't really accurately (laughs) like like some some say it was like the first blockbuster really but like like i think because it played in theaters forever and, and then emmanuel by the way it played in french theaters for like 13 years or something yeah so yeah another yeah kind of another kind of instance like that but like i think they just didn't really have accurate box office takes for something like a deep throat and then but you know deep throat i think was the kind of the first real big one there's also beyond the door with Marilyn chambers uh linda lovelace i think was in deep throat uh debbie does dallas was around this time i think that's the mid-70s so like all mm-hmm. these classic, for lack of a better term, porno titles. And then Emmanuel is kind of right in the middle of this. But it's this weirdo thing. It, it's it's French. It's European, which is another reason, I think, why why me, why we might tend to think of it more as an art film than porn. Mm-hmm. Because it's a foreign film. And I at least watched the subtitle version. There is an English dub version, apparently. I learned that because the IMDb trivia said that Sylvia Christel, the actress, I think she's Dutch she was apparently very upset that she was not reached out to to um, do the English dub because she spoke fluent English so it's oh, like, really I, I didn't even know there was a dubbed version but so this was a this was a huge hit in France it was a reasonable hit in the United States and it has its place in cultural history it is the inspiration for Rochelle Rochelle in <laughs> Seinfeld which yeah, is from Milan to Minsk <laughs> yeah one woman's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk the Emmanuel movies usually are like travel, you know, adventures. This one is just about all, just about all takes place in Bangkok, which there is an Emmanuel in Bangkok, but that is a one M Emmanuel film, which means it's a black Emmanuel film. That's another thing. That's that's really the main thing that's that interests me about the Emmanuel films is that this, you know think of it now like a movie like this wouldn't be a huge hit i mean no honestly a movie like this wouldn't be released well today no... uh, if, right.
1: like if this exact movie was released again today i think a lot of people would call it very tame but if they had remade this movie beat for beat which there today...
0: there is a remake being planned by the way it's really? i think it's a female director uh, maybe a director i'm not familiar with but there is talks with of Leia SeDu playing emmanuel wow yeah
1: i mean i'd watch Um, that i'll be honest yeah i mean but but
0: again mainstream (laughs) actress they're going for a mainstream actress obviously not a weird porn actress but a a bond girl in this case (laughs) (laughs) one of the few repeat bond girls actually she's in two movies just like eunice gayson who plays sylvia trench and then maude adams different characters but she's in two bond movies as well because she's octopussy and she's I don't know which of oh. the other ones she's in. But I think she's in uh, maybe The Man with the Golden Gun or something.
1: Yeah, I'll say yes. I don't remember, but I know the actress, yeah.
0: Okay, so Emmanuel, released in 1974, directed by, and I'm only going to say what his name is probably supposed to be pronounced as one time because there's a much <laughs> funnier version to pronounce it, Yust, Jakin? Yakin? Yakin.
1: Yeah, probably Yakin. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's a French name, but I would actually I thought it was Dutch. I, I got it reversed. I thought Sylvia Christel was French. I thought the director was Dutch. It's actually the other way around. But you'd think J U S T that seems like a Dutch name. Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe you know immigration happens within Europe, obviously. But it's it's much funnier to think of his name as Just Jackin, especially <laughs> because this is not the only softcore <laughs> pornographic film he made. I believe he made the story um, of O. Which is another Sylvia oh. <laughs> Cristel movie, I believe. He made a few other movies that I'm familiar with. I don't. It may, he might have made one of the Lady Chatterley movies because there were a few like softcore. Oh yes, okay. Lady Chatterley movies in the '70s. So, Just Jackin, uh, he's the director. Sylvia Cristel is the star. She's not top b- top build, which surprised me. This this is essentially her breakout movie. I don't know if it's her first movie. She's a very young woman here. I think she's about 21 years old or so, which actually kind of caught me by surprise because I thought most of the time she looked much older than that, but I also think that's just how she's dressed and made up because she's a proper rich French woman, and then later on in the movie when she dresses more like a tomboy, then she looks like a teenager, really, but that's also kind of by design. But the, the, the top-billed actor is Alan Cuny, I'm going to pronounce that, I don't know exactly. He plays Mario, the weirdo old guy he must have just been a bigger name at the time I saw he's a Caesar award winner for best Supporting actor the Caesar awards is the like the French Academy Awards okay so maybe he's a respected actor but you know if it's anything like the o- the Oscars just keep in mind some of the people who have won best Supporting Actor at the Oscars Cuba Gooding Jr the Star of Snow Dogs you know it's not always the most prolific group of people um <laughs> Jared Leto, the star of Suicide Squad. Like, it's there's some, <laughs> there's some not, maybe not that great actors who, you know, maybe just turn in a really great performance or just have great a great role and great great script to deal with. Q. Gooding Jr. is always the one I like to go to because right? I think he's one of the least talented Oscar winners I can think of <laughs> because he's just like... He, he's per- But then again, he's perfect in Jerry Maguire, but I think it's just like the perfect role for him. But everything else, radio and... Um, snow dogs boat trip like the dude did nothing worth watching basically
1: is that what he won the oscar for uh radio
0: no no jerry Maguire. no he oh. did not <laughs> win it for radio he as they would say in tropic thunder made the mistake of going full retard in radio i think that's potentially the reason why he didn't win the oscar for that one yeah <laughs> so the movie opens with emmanuel Getting dressed, getting ready. She lives in her home in Paris. There is nude artwork on the wall, which is something that this has in common with the other film. And <laughs> she is traveling to visit her husband and stay with him. Her husband, Jean, is an older man, not like super old, I think like ten years older than her. He's in his early thirties. He almost looks older, though. I think the mustache yeah. ages him. And he is a diplomat, like an ambassador between France and Thailand, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's just a rich French guy hanging out in Thailand. Who's He's got his Thai housekeepers and stuff. And, you know, he's. It, it, although you almost wouldn't know, aside from the first scene where she arrives in Thailand, that Bangkok is populated with Thai people because, like, all the social gatherings, it's, like, all French people, obviously. Emmanuel <laughs> has her, like, pool gang that she hangs out with. They're all French. But Emmanuel arrives in Bangkok and we get kind of weird colonialist attitudes almost, I, I guess I'd describe yeah. it. And it's, it's funny because when we think of like poorly dated, like colonialist attitudes, we, we usually think of British, right? Because Britain had like <laughs> arguably the most successful colonial empire, uh, but France was just as bad, just as strong, whatever word you want to use. Emmanuel she's freaked out by the locals. The locals are obsessed with her because he, her husband has shown photos of her to everyone. And we find out later these are, I guess, nude photographs. Yeah. So, so they have a weird relationship. And we, we see later on that it's actually more straightforward than how it's described. But before we see them together, we hear Jean describing his wife. And he says he loves her because she's the only woman he's ever met who loves sex as much as she is good at it or something. Mm-hmm. And he says that, he essentially says that they have an open relationship. He's not worried about her cheating on him when she's in Paris and he's in Thailand. He's also not worried about cheating on her. I guess we see that later again. It, it, it he, he wants to paint himself as a completely unjealous husband. We see later. He's actually yeah. an asshole. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a scene where they're driving through Thailand where she sees a chicken being beheaded, and she freaks out. And this is uh, relevant to my family because my grandmother, who um, (laughs) is, is from Illinois, but her parents were from Ireland, and she visited Ireland. She visited a couple of her cousins there once, and so she's staying in rural Ireland. This is probably the 50s. Ireland was not particularly modern back then they've made they've come a long way since the evens just since the good friday agreement but she was staying with her cousins and they're like oh what do you want for dinner would you be good with chicken and so they beheaded a chicken and just hung it up on the door and so the let, let all the blood drain out and my grandma did not end up eating anything that night but <laughs> so so uh, yeah I, i've got like a little kind of a similar story i mean i can understand emmanuel being turned off by this obviously but this is the only real culture shock that we see in the movie. I almost think they could have developed upon this more because Emmanuel's deal when she's in Thailand is kind of like she doesn't feel at home and but but I think it's 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 less about being in Thailand, it's more about the French women that are around her. Yes, right because we yeah. see her at the pool gang every woman all they want to talk about is sex they all want to hear about her sexual exploits in Paris which I I, she doesn't deny having but she denies cheating on her husband and she says later that it's not cheating on him if I'm not hiding it from him
1: it's always weird that they bring up the word cheating but again like you're not cheating because it is an open relationship right so I like I was just a little confused by
0: you know she doesn't view it as cheating so she's never the one using that word it's always the other people other women
1: who are actively cheating on their husbands right
0: (laughs) basically or some of them we we don't even know much about these people some of them aren't married one of them i'm not sure she's an adult you know the the really young Mm -hmm. looking one who with the sucker yeah with the sucker who starts masturbating in front of emmanuel at one point that i get the impression they're trying to say she's like maybe she's like 18 but you know 16 like she's, she's a very young person definitely and who knows how old the actress is i'm assuming she's of age weirdo french europeans who knows um there is i I don't believe this film has any nudity but there is a i think it's brigitte bardot's first film the girl in the bikini or something was very scandalous because it basically objectifies a 17 year old girl because that's how old she was oh my god oh france but yeah no i mean it's (laughs) i I would describe this relationship between emmanuel and jean as very french Mm -hmm. you know I guess so, yeah. <laughs> very open about their sexuality. Everyone in this movie is super open about their sexuality. Again, very French. And so we have the first sex scene, which you mentioned, Emmanuel and Jean. It is spotted by, I think the guy's name is John, which is a little confusing. I think we only hear his name once. But he is one of the Thai people working there. I don't know exactly his position. He sees that, and then he invites a housekeeper over to watch it. And then he chases her around and has sex with her. And the whole scene was horribly confusing because it kind of felt like it was rape. It kind of didn't. I mean, it was like a playfulness, but it almost felt like it crossed a line and went over into rape. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly really sure. it. That's exactly it. It's just, yeah. yeah, I hated that scene. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. This There are essentially three scenes, maybe four scenes in this movie that really ride the line between rape and sex. And at least only I think only one of them is really addressed um and that's the scene with Jean and um what was her name alan something like that yeah uh who's who's emmanuel's friend and he has sex with her when he's looking for emmanuel and it's very aggressive it's very rough and I'm going to go ahead and say that if any sex scene in this movie is unsimulated it's that one because it only lasts about 20 seconds so that's pretty accurate to sex as I know it yeah. <laughs> and when it, when she when she talks to him later she says that like I think he almost raped her or something like so she implies that I guess she was into it she wanted it but he still kind of went over the top a little bit too
1: yeah I think I, I think that is kind of the takeaway from that you're right
0: so Emmanuel plays squash with alan. They have sex afterwards. This is a scene where, I mean, it starts, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll say innocent. I mean, we know what Alan is thinking the entire time, but she's like, oh, let me wipe down all this sweat from you. But really, she's just taking off her clothes. And then, um, and then there's that. And then there's a social <laughs> gathering where Marie Ange, who invites herself over to Emmanuel's house at one point, masturbates in front of her. And then that inspires Emmanuel to talk about the first time she had sex with... Her husband, who was not her husband at the time. Or I think Marianne says something like, Oh, so you've only had sex with your husband or something. And then oh no, she asks, like, Oh, have you had sex with anyone else in Paris? And then she says, Well, not in Paris, but then she recounts the time she had sex with a stranger on an airplane. She joins the Mile High Club. Which I actually kinda like that scene. <laughs> I thought it was filmed in a in a in a genuinely like Yeah, it it was interesting and erotic. And then I also like how, because she's, like, trying to keep quiet. He's trying to keep her quiet because they're on an airplane, an overnight flight. And then I like how after they're more or less done having sex, then he picks her up and, like, carries her into the bathroom to continue. But when he picks her up, she's, like, her clothes are, like, mostly off. And he's just just carrying her through the airplane. At this point, everyone's awake and kind of looking. Like, I just thought that was kind of neat.
1: (laughs) I can understand why so many people were into this movie you know i i read this like interesting statistic that i think it was like columbia got the distribution rights for for this movie in in north america and they only got it after that they after they discovered that the majority of european audiences were women
0: yes that that was something i wanted to mention as well is that this movie is arguably it's just a male fantasy to a certain extent it's about a woman who will more or less have sex with anyone. Man, woman, possible child with Maria. <laughs> well, they don't really have yeah. sex. You know, it's, it's sort of a male fantasy, but it's also like there's something about the film, too, where it is sort of appealing to women. Or maybe this was just a point yeah. in time where nothing like this was made for women. It, it might be that more than anything. But I know, for instance, this is based on a novel. Mm-hmm. It is, I don't remember the name of the author. I know she went by the su- pseudonym of Emmanuel. I think she was a Thai-born author. She was a French author, though. But so the book is written by a woman. This is sort of, you know, it maybe you could say the book was kind of the Fifty Shades of Grey before Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Going back to the Red Shoe Diaries, I think a show like that was more of, I, I think it was less of a, a male fantasy and more a female fantasy.
0: And I get that sense, but I wonder, too, if that's potentially just the difference between softcore and hardcore pornography. If at yeah, this point, yeah. maybe hardcore pornography is, for the most part, marketed towards men and maybe softcore is marketed towards women because it's a bit not as sexually explicit and maybe it's a bit more about love and tenderness. I know that's kind of yeah. putting women in men in different stereotypes that, you know, I'm sure not they don't fully comply to but i i don't know I-,
1: I do think you're right though i do think you're right emmanuel reads like an erotic novel which is you know what it's based off of here's a bit of a story when i was a paper boy years ago like 15 years ago for like five months in the paper when they were dropped off at my door to deliver early in the morning i was also given a bundle of like these door hangers and they were door hangers for like these harlequin romance novels Each of them had, like, a coupon on the back so that you could go to, like, chapters or wherever and buy the newest novel. But they also came with, like, a little dark chocolate chocolate bar inside. And they were really marketing these towards women
0: and and the whole experience
1: towards women. Are
0: you saying women can't control their senses when they're given chocolate? Is that what you're saying? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Or after sex or masturbation, some women do like to have chocolate.
0: Which, but maybe some men do too I that's mean. exactly it cause I'd, I'd love yeah. some chocolate
1: or like george costanza taking it back to seinfeld and remember the that pastrami episode was... in yeah. Bed.
0: yeah not <laughs> yeah. even after in, yeah during.
1: during the greatest combination of all time
0: yeah and pastrami the most sensual of all the meats <laughs> yeah. of, all, of all the deli meats i think yeah. that's, that's the line <laughs>
1: uh this movie reminds me of these Harlequin things marketed towards women. And I do understand that, you know, Emmanuel is kind of like a male fantasy. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, it's centered around a woman who is doing things for her own personal pleasure. So I, I also feel like it's got to be. Yes,
0: yes and no, because the second half of the movie, or the last act or whatever, is kind of it's, it's for her own personal pleasure, but it's for her own personal pleasure pleasure that mario wants her to find you know there's a little bit of controlling thing which doesn't necessarily make it a male fantasy because i think there some of the drama of the film is that she's being controlled by men either jean who turns out is a lot more jealous than he had led us to believe Mm -hmm. or by mario who's just this creepy old guy who everyone wants her to get with for some reason (laughs) so and and actually this is i'm going to bring up something in the black emmanuel movies so one of my favorite things in exploitation films. And by the way, Emmanuel, I would say it's debatable if this is even an exploitation film. I think this is borderline art house, borderline sexploitation. It really rides that line. Mm-hmm. I don't usually see this described as a exploitation movie. You see the black Emmanuel movies described as that because those are Italian hack filmmakers who are, you know, they're just, yeah, they're, they're exploitation films. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a scene in black Emmanuel two where a, Man, I mean, you don't see it, but there's a, a man hangs like a twelve-pound dumbbell from his erection or something. It's so like, okay, that's classic <laughs> exploitation stuff, right? You, know, you don't yeah. have that in a serious dra- drama film. <laughs> but one of the Black Emanuel movies, I think, uh, I think it's Black Emanuel, White Emanuel, which it has several titles. So that's one of the titles. So I love this in exploitation movies. I think it's mostly on accident, but when exploitation movies end up having something to say about people that are exploited i think the classic example is cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust is by most means a reprehensible film but the story really is about how these white guys are just exploiting natives in south america for not money so much as like their entertainment and then it turns out to bite them in the ass because they get eaten by them cannibal holocaust is is an exploitation movie i think it accidentally says something kind of profound about exploitation. I think Black Emmanuel White Emmanuel is kind of the same thing because there's like I think this might be a theme running throughout the Laura Gemser Black Emmanuel movies but that the men are incredibly controlling of her and all of her most satisfying relationships are with women who they kind of just want her for sex and pleasure but they don't try to control her and that's the difference between her and the men here and that's kind of the case here with Emmanuel because the one Emmanuel is really into is B, who
1: mm-hmm. is
0: the French archaeologist who is part of the pool gang, but also someone that no one in the pool gang likes. And it turns out they don't like her because she's kind of just a normal person. She has a job. She does something <laughs> with her life. And that's ultimately uh, yeah. what that's ultimately uh. what Emmanuel finds attractive about her. I think she she says like all those other all these other women, all these other all my other friends just don't do anything with their life. And this is again sort of Maybe where it appeals to women, or at least where it moves beyond porn into genuine drama, Emmanuel wants something more than just what she has. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, when Mario enters the picture, what she ends up wanting is just more ways to feel satisfied with sex, but initially, it's just more ways to be satisfied, not necessarily through sex, and... So she goes she hangs out with B. B invites her on her archaeological expedition where this is where I mentioned she dresses like a like kind of a tomboy. she wears a little baseball cap. she looks like a 14 year old child in these scenes. She, she looks reminded me cute, of like, like Ernest very...
1: from the Ernest movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah she looks she looks adorable in these scenes. These, <laughs> these scenes are, are really charming, but eventually they have sex, the two of them. And then afterwards, she's basically trying to tell B that she loves her. This is, you know, this is the first person I've said this to outside of my husband. But B ultimately wasn't really looking for that, mm-hmm. and so she kind of gets her heart broken by B. And then following the B relationship, everyone, Alan or is it Alan or Ariane?
1: Ariane, I believe.
0: Ariane, yeah. A- A- Alan Allen Cooney is the actor who plays Mario, so maybe that's why I was confused. Ariane and Jean and even Mario eventually try and get her just to forget about B and to forget about B we want you to get with Mario Mario is an old man how old would you say he is I I feel like they talk about him as if he's older than he actually looks
1: he looks like he's in his 60s maybe I would agree
0: I think Marie Ange Marie Ange is initially the person that introduces her to Mario I think they say something like, "If a man that old still is able to have sex, you know he's really good at it," or something. Yeah, and it's like, come on, he's not—he's not like Keith Richards, like you <laughs> know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's not that old. Yeah. So when she's with B, this is when we discover that Jean really is jealous, and he doesn't like that Emmanuel is with other people, or maybe mm-hmm. just that she's with another woman. We're not really sure. But this is when he goes and has sex with Ariane, with the sex that's borderline rape, and then. He's leaving. He's going out of town. He's he's doing ambassador stuff. So he leaves her in the care of Mario, and Mario takes her out to dinner. And Mar- Mario's Mario's got all this like philosophical dialogue. Mar- Mario is the most French character in the movie.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> but his his I actually found him. I, I know this is where the movie takes a, a, a drastic tonal shift. Mario's whole thing is he's like being really philosophical and he's kind of an asshole well he's definitely an asshole but he's he's doing all this like oh you know monogamy should be banned it should be outlawed it's a thing yeah. of the past this is where the movie really feels like um you know that one friend who you and i'm not saying like you have this friend but i know a lot of people do i'm not <laughs> sure i have this friend but you know that one asshole who's always like oh yeah you need to try shrooms man you know you'll completely I have change that your friend. Life. yeah oh you do have that friend okay <laughs> absolutely that is Mario, except Mario specifically with opium and untamed sex.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, so Mar- because Mario takes her to an opium den. Before he takes her to an opium den, this is after dinner, they go for a little carriage ride, another Seinfeld connection. This is where Kramer in Central Park feeds the horse Beefarini <laughs> and it starts farting on uh, Susan's parents, <laughs> all that stuff. Classic. <laughs> he... he- stops the carriage pulls over a random french dude and said like here take her take her legs and he ends up taking her panties off and then mario stops her so it's like this is like he almost has this guy rape her Mm -hmm. and i think this is like i don't know if it's a test or the whole thing is he wants her i guess to just submit to to kind of
1: i'm not sure if it's like submit to her urges but it's almost like just submit to sex
0: yeah, that's the thing, because this guy's not, this random dude wandering around in the middle of the park at 11 p.m. is not her urge. Mm-hmm. It's never about what Emmanuel wants in these scenes with Mario. No. And that's partially what makes them very uncomfortable. He, he takes her to an opium den. This is where we get the really philosophical dialogue. So, so he's saying that she needs to be able to find a true pleasure. And and she can only find that through lust, not love. But ironically, that she's going to find love through true pleasure. This kind of makes sense to me so far. Yeah. Not ev- not everything Mario says makes sense. Most probably doesn't. But you know, he's his opium. Yeah, pet, yeah, because
1: he's a he's a crazy old French man on opium.
0: So and then and then <laughs> this scene in the opium den gets really weird. Mario just starts randomly talking about death, and then Emmanuel gets a weird feeling. She wants to leave, but then some of the time men in the opium den attack her and I guess they rape her but it's really weird because we kind of cut away from it quickly and it's like the next day and it's not acknowledged and again she's still hanging out with Mario yeah oh, Okay, so I mentioned I think there's like four borderline rape scenes we have the, the two Thai household workers which the, it's, it's sex it kind of looks like it's almost rape it's also hard to tell because we don't know a damn thing about those characters so that's one of them I, I I would say the carriage the guy the guy in the carriage mm-hmm. Mario invites over that's almost rape Jean and Ariane that's threes and so this is number four I think this is the last one right? yeah
1: and and this is rape rape
0: <laughs> yes this is this is the most rape but it's also like the the way the way it cuts from <laughs> it it's almost like was this her imagination was this like a weird opium trip or something because it's like again just that it's never acknowledged again I think even the next day they're talking about things. And I think she talks about her imagination. So I'm just really not sure what that scene was about. So then Mario takes her to a Thai boxing match. And this is where you get martial arts in both films. We get uh, the Thai <laughs> boxes, which is like kickboxing. They've got boxing gloves on, but they also kick. There's two men fighting. It, it's understood that she's going to be the reward to the victor. Mm-hmm. Mario asks her which, which of the two men does she prefer. She picks the one with better hair, which is fair. He's the one who ends up winning the fight. And then afterwards, Mario makes her get down on all fours, and he has the boxer have sex with her from behind. This one, while anonymous, not rape. This is the most on board Emmanuel has been with Mario's weird sexual experimentation or whatever, you know? Yeah. she, She, at this point, understands what he's going on about. I'm not sure I do. But yeah, she, well, she at least understands it, and that's the important part. This is
1: when she's finally given over to lust, and she is let she she's letting lust dictate. That's how she does that's things. That's
0: what I thought, but then the final scene with the with the two of them, with Emmanuel and Mario, it looks like they're about to have sex, and then she's like, "Do you even want me?" And he's like, "No, I want a future, Emmanuel, and Emmanuel, you don't know yet." Mm-hmm. And like I thought, we just established that this is finally her. <laughs> So I I really, at the end of the day, I really feel like this movie didn't have much resolution. But Emmanuel never has sex with Mario. She might, you know, seconds after the end of the movie. But she is, I, I guess, resolved to become a different woman through her sexuality or explore her sexuality maybe in a different way. Even though she's kind of already been exploring it the entire movie, it's a little... It's a little uneven. I mean, I mean, this is a this is a coming of age movie, and it, it, it felt both ways, really. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> she's a young woman. That's that's what I really like. I really like the stuff about the B relationship because that's you know B is an older woman. Every character yeah. in this movie, except for Marie-Ange, is older than Emmanuel. But you know the 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 heartbreak she has with B because that's when you really realize Emmanuel is very immature. Mm-hmm. And B isn't, and you know, they weren't, they didn't view the relationship on the same terms. And so, I, I like that stuff, I think that's the strongest stuff in the movie. But you know, we're here at the end of the movie, Jim. What did you think about Emmanuel?
1: First time seeing it, I'd always heard about it. Of course, I wanted to delve into it because of Rochelle. Rochelle, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I don't really, I, it was like, it was just weird. I don't know if I found it weird. Because of all the sex, or I found it weird because of its its Frenchness, you know, or like, uh, or, or Mario's philo- philosophizing. It was an interesting movie. It's a very uh, different kind of film. I can understand why this did so well in a place like France and why this has kind of made its way into pop culture. I did like the Emmanuel and B stuff the most. That was
0: uh, yeah, for sure.
1: That was like the best part, and I mean, all the stuff in Thailand was that was a
0: charming relationship because we saw them do stuff other than sex too we saw them they're going for their little boat ride in yeah. the bangkok canals you know the place where sheriff jw pepper vacation <laughs> so i was about to say yeah <laughs> i was going to say i know that's my biggest complaint of the man with the golden gun because it does this look like a place that sheriff jw pepper would ever visit with his (laughs) wife no no it doesn't no it doesn't that man has not left the american south (laughs) i feel like that's a horrific character inconsistency Uh, that's not the sheriff jw pepper that i know from live and let die
1: i still love in that movie where he gets his (laughs) where he gets pickpocketed by a little elephant
0: a little elephant, that's a weird way to describe knickknack.
1: <laughs> Got him. Oh, take that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have many thoughts on Emmanuel to be honest.
0: Well, we I mean, we had a lot of thoughts. We went over them before we went over the movie because I, I think this raises interesting questions about what is art, what is porn. We talked about that. Those are most of my thoughts about the movie. I think overall, yeah. I think as a movie, as a drama, it's far from perfect. Mm-hmm. I think the B stuff is definitely the best. Yes. I do like I mean, I don't like the character of Jean. Obviously, he's an asshole, but and he's French, so double yeah. asshole. But I do like that they, that how we how we are introduced to him. He's this, for lack of a better term, I'll use the phrase like perfect husband, maybe perfect French husband. You know, not controlling, willing to let his wife do whatever she wants sexually, but yeah. then when she does that, he's bothered by it. But then 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 it also becomes inconsistent because then he wants her with Mario. Mm-hmm. And Mario ultimately wants her exploring her sexualities in, again, different but kind of the same ways that she's been doing the entire movie. I guess I guess ultimately the big thing is they're trying to get Emmanuel, Mar- Mario in particular, is trying to get Emmanuel to have sex without love. And maybe the love comes through the sex. And where she had sex with B because she was genuinely interested in her. But here, if you have sex with this random Thai boxer, you know, maybe you'll be a more be more fulfilled yeah or maybe have sex it's about with this weirdo in in the park at 11 p.m yeah i don't, I, I don't know is it
1: about learning to l- love through sex or learning to love sex versus learning to have sex with someone you love
0: and that's the thing I'm, I'm not french i don't understand this stuff you know the french are far more sexual people than us north americans i guess i.e. they're perverts in many cases.
1: <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was coming.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, but then then again, you're the anime fan, so who's the bigger pervert? Okay, but, um, okay, sir. <laughs> yeah, so, like, the movie is very French. I think you said that earlier. And that's, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. I, I think it makes it more interesting. That I think this, it makes it again, classier. I think it makes it classier. Yes, I agree with that. And, and I think some of that is because we associate foreign films with classiness which is not the case with our second foreign film (laughs) today but but just like general like subtitles like okay it's a classy film but like really you know i mean they make just as much smut over there in france and italy as they as they do here i mean house by the cemetery you know the italian movie that we've covered is about the least classy movie i've ever seen but there's there's a little something special about the subtitles. the subtitles. It plays a psychological trick with you. You're reading, so you think it's making you smarter.
1: Or even the French language is such a beautiful there's language that too. to listen to.
0: I have mixed feelings about the French language. I know we've talked about this a little bit. With the pronunciation, how it feels like. You know, just whatever the last four or five letters are of a word, don't worry about them because it's going to be pronounced the same regardless of how the last four, <laughs> four letters are. I don't really like the French language, but that's just me. I mean, it sounds good in these.
1: Well, the French language is better than, than the Quebecer language, Quebecer French.
0: That's probably true, but listen, give me a good heavy Glaswegian uh, slang. Um, <laughs> it's just slang accent that to me is like the sexiest thing in the world (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's me i'm a weirdo okay i I like me some i mean i I kind of agree hard to understand northern english and scottish accents i think they can be incredibly sexy and awesome so yeah i I think we're kind of in the same boat with emmanuel it's an okay movie it's it it it, it, there's a time and a place for this movie it's 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 more of a curiosity than it is yes an entertaining film i think and I, I, it's a curiosity for a number of reasons. A, that this, like, weirdo softcore pornographic thing became a big international hit, and obviously it's from being that it's from France makes it all the more likely for it to have been successful in the United States, but they still pulled it off. And then, you know, Sylvia Christel, we haven't said this, I think she is a good actress, I, at least in this movie. I think she gives a very good performance. Everything with her and B is very believable, the heartbreak she feels. Yeah. And even the scenes where she's hanging around, like looking like Ernest, like those are those are very charming, and and I, th- I think she gives a really good performance. And she's the I, I'm gonna say she's the best part of this movie, and that's kind of surprising to me because I've I've seen this movie before, and so the big reason why overall I like the Black Emmanuel movies more than the Emmanuel movies, you know, I love the weirdo Italian exploitation stuff, and they <laughs> yeah. are that, but I also do find the actress Laura Gemser, who plays Black Emmanuel, who spoilers isn't black. She's like, I think she might be Thai. She's like Asian of some sort. I find her just much more attractive than Sylvia Cristel. Not that Sylvia Cristel is by any means unattractive, but <laughs> you, you know, I, like I, I, I still stand by that. I think Laura Gemser is an absolute beauty, and Sylvia Cristel, yeah, real you know, she's, she's She's attractive, but. But no, she's again I don't think Laura Gemser is a bad actress from what I've seen her in, but Sylvia Christelle is very good here. I don't think I've seen her in anything outside of the Emmanuel movies. I know she did some stuff. She I wanna say she made a movie in the early eighties where she was like a teacher who had sex with like her fourteen year old student or something. So maybe those <laughs> were kind of the roles she got. Oh no. At least in American films. But I think I think she was probably a very talented woman who, because Emmanuel was such a big hit, kind of led her to being typecast. That would be my guess. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> so speaking of typecast, you want to talk about people who vaguely look like Bruce Lee?
1: Yeah, or, you know, speaking of... of well, actually, never mind.
0: I, I I can't make a segue.
1: Yeah, let's talk about people who vaguely look like Bruce Lee. Like Bruce Lyon. the
0: segue. You don't need to make the second one. Well, I was
1: going to say something about...
0: Segways are my thing damn it you're right i, I work hard at these i'm
1: sorry <laughs> so as we mentioned earlier this next movie has uh, many different titles super dragon versus superman it's like choose
0: your own adventure like what do you want <laughs> the movie exactly to be titled who, who cares it's, it's whatever yeah. you want it to be
1: so i want it to be super dragon versus superman
0: i see i want bruce lee versus superman because that sounds like the dumbest title because it's neither Bruce Lee nor Superman. <laughs> I, know.
1: I know. Well, okay. I'm gonna give a very brief synopsis of this. But movie I'm just thinking, just... like
0: in the t- in the title of the episode, we'll probably call it Super Dragon versus Superman because that's the IMDb title. But I, I just want to yeah. say Bruce Lee versus Superman because it sounds funny.
1: So uh, stars Bruce Lai, who I I was not aware of any kind of Bruce exploitation. I, I was barely aware of the exploitation genre. I knew of it. But when I met you and we talked about doing this podcast, you opened my eyes to a whole new world and you
0: Just to exploded. clarify, it's, it's yeah. not when, when you met me. It's not like the first time you met me, I'm, I was talking about you really need to see the movie Pieces. You know, this, this came up years <laughs> later. We had known each other for a while. Yeah.
1: When we watched Game of Death, that is when I learned about Bruce exploitation right. I'm sure. And that blew my mind. And I have been kind of interested in it, but I haven't been watching any because I'm saving them for this podcast.
0: <laughs> I want there's, there's a lot on Tubi. You, you can, you know, because we Browse have so around. many movies on our list now, you can watch some if you want. Okay. I would recommend, again, the only one other one I've seen was um, The Clones of Bruce Lee, which I think is one of the more famous ones, partially because it has the, all the big four, partially because the title is just funny. But I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I thought that was better than this movie. Not that I didn't enjoy this movie, but um, that was...
1: This movie is enjoyable because it's total shit and confusing. It's, it's like a fever dream. If a fever dream was a movie, it could be something like this.
0: Well, you say fever dream. I, this Is is this a DCEU film? Because in some ways, I would describe Suicide Squad <laughs> as a fever dream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it does have That's Superman
0: a... in it. Yeah, I, movie, I, so. I think we need to lead off with that, is that the title the Superman part of the title.
1: Yeah, there's no Superman. Well,
0: there, there's no Superman, but at, at the same time, the title is somewhat literal because yeah, maybe Superman isn't in it, but Green Hornet is. And now, it, I, I did not yeah. expect that going into this. This is one of the so far relatively rare films for this podcast that I hadn't seen before. But obviously, Bruce Lee was Kato. Yes. So I think, I think <laughs> we could maybe call it... I've seen this film described as Kato-sploitation... Um, which might be a genre of one. I'm not sure. So he's Kato on the Green Hornet. Hornet, yeah. This involves the Green Hornet, which is kind of a fun little, like, uh, you know, Bruce Lee was in this and and we're doing this thing, but obviously it's not licensed by DC Comics, obviously, or or whatever (laughs) television network the Green Hornet was on. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's safe to say.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: But I, I think, think that's so. what kind of makes it, and, and obviously, because we get, a spoilers, we get a Superman that looks nothing like Superman. He kind of looks like Lionel Richie. Yeah, I, I thought that was like, I thought it was kind of neat that they were trying to make their own kind of superhero movie. I didn't think it was going to be that because the title, you know, Superman, I thought it would just be like some really strong guy or something. You know. Yeah. And then well, Super Dragon is, yeah, it's like a superhero. And Bruce Lee's the dragon, whatever, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't expect the Green Hornet. I did not. There you see I think I could be wrong but I think you see the DC Comics logo at one point you know the the poster above the bad guys house that has like the The naked woman on it. There's like the letters DC, and I think that's like a DC Comics thing. Is
1: that the is that the bad guys' place?
0: I thought maybe it's not the bad guys, but somebody's place. Well, that poster. Do you know what that poster is? No. Is did DC Comics release centerfolds at one time? Was what was I missing? That poster had like a woman with her with her her underwear falling off, right? Oh no no no! That was something different. I think I think there's more than one because there was a poster with. I thought there was something with underwear falling off that was like kind of like the Copper Tone but like a more Yeah, sexual... exactly. That's what I was yes. going to say. That's... I'm talking about something different. <laughs> I am talking about something oh different because there's the Copper okay. Tone lady which is yeah. a pinup version of the Copper Tone thing because that was yeah. Copper Tone girl was uh, Jody Foster back in the day. Really? Yeah, she was like a young girl at the time like I, I think it's before Taxi Drivers, so she's probably like 12 or something. So the Copper Tone girl went on to be famous, but there is above someone's head when they sit seated at a desk i thought it's the bad guy or one of the kidnappers or something there is like a naked woman oh yeah she's lying down on her front you don't really see nudity not explicit but there is like a dc thing and i think it's the dc comics logo but i'm not really sure but i i just want to bring this up obviously this isn't licensed at all by dc comics but but keep in mind this is also the 1970s comic books were not a trillion dollar industry back then they're not making blockbuster films every year <laughs> so it's like maybe yeah. it was maybe it was licensed i don't know <laughs> but this this actually came out before the christopher reeve superman this is the first dc comics yeah. superhero film <laughs> to my knowledge oh my unless God. there's another cato exploitation uh, movie out there
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you know so the title that i would say most matches this movie is Bruce Lee against Superman? And well, because there's... you have like three dudes who are very powerful, and and Bruce Lee has a hard time fighting. But then the only the only issue, is but with two all of them end titles. up fighting
0: against the ma- the b- main well, exactly. bad guy th- later. So it's like yeah. I think there really is ultimately one that's one greater Superman. than the others. Okay, well, by yeah, the so... way, doesn't do anything.
1: No, he's he not, does not even have the greatest character the... introduction ever, though.
0: Yeah, no, he's awesome, but uh, but he's like. <laughs> They introduce him, they hire him, I guess, to take out the Green Hornet or something. And Which,
1: which you only see him, the Green Hornet twice in this movie. Yeah, the beginning and I'm... the end.
0: I actually, oh, I was confused by this. The ending of the movie confused me. I don't want to say all Asians look alike or anything. But <laughs> so the opening scene, we see the Green Hornet. And at the end of the movie, we see the Green Hornet. There's two Green Hornets. One's a white guy, one's an Asian guy. Yes. I, th- I thought the Asian guy might be Bruce Lai. He kind of looked like him.
1: That's Which wouldn't I make
0: thought. any sense. It would have required a costume change right after a fight scene. It doesn't make any sense. But, but it is him in the end. Is it? Okay, so so yeah. it is, okay, So okay. that's what I thought. But it, it doesn't make sense, but it wouldn't make sense the other way either. Because there's the scene where after the scientist is kidnapped, the scientist's daughter says to Bruce Lai, like, what, what are we going to do? And Bruce Lai is like, nothing. We're going to wait for the Green Hornet. Yeah, it, but like he is the Green Hornet. Then what's he talking about? No, he's Kate. So th- this is this is a. Okay. Oh, this he's Kate. The white confusing. guy is the Green Hornet. Yeah, but this okay. is what's
1: even more confusing because at the very beginning so of the Green movie, Hornet doesn't do anything. <laughs> well, exactly. The Green Hornet <laughs> doesn't exist for ninety nine point nine percent of the movie. But at the very beginning of the movie, like it just jumps into it with action with like a car chase, a cop chasing like a, a car full of thugs who chuck a bag of money out the window.
0: This was the biggest laugh of the movie to me when it cuts to like tourists like opening it's yeah, a pan yeah. am bag and exactly, then the, yeah. and, the and like, dub oh, line money. is just money and it's yeah, but- it's like <laughs> that line made <laughs> me laugh so he's just like money
1: yeah but then what's even better is bruce Lye is there dressed as kato and he's yeah. like that money isn't yours come on i'm taking you to <laughs> i'm taking you to the police and they're like what and he's like go <laughs> and it's like what the fuck is going on so not only do you have the green hornet in like a, in like a funny looking costume and and kato in like a green hornet costume but then you also have kato in his kato costume yeah he's kato's in show. his kato
0: costume in the, the which is the all black with the black like lone ranger mask kind of yeah, thing covering yeah, the yeah. eyes and then later on he's wearing a green hornet costume
1: yeah well and the opening credits of the movie has the green hornet symbol in it right
0: i don't know anything about comic books i i don't know, I don't if know anything the green about the green hornet other than yeah. I don't know if the, the Green TV Hornet show. symbol ever looked like that. That's probably just their own version of it. Maybe maybe it did look like that. I don't know. Yeah,
1: do you think like there was something lost in translation for this movie? Because there must oh, have been. Like, there God. were a lot of things lost in translation.
0: Well, I, I want to say, and I'm speaking as someone who grew up on the Amer- the English dubs of the American Godzilla films. This is some of the worst dubbing I've ever <laughs> witnessed in a film. It's so bad. But oh, it's that's fantastic. But that's obviously why one of the points of interest. I mean, it's it's what makes the movie so much more entertaining. I wouldn't want to <laughs> see this kind of film in a subtitle. Like again, going back yeah. to like when's when when would you rather see subtitle when would you rather see dub? For the most part a lot of people would say subtitle's always gonna be the more accurate version or But like to me it kind of depends on the genre. Like if it's a movie I'm not taking seriously, if it's just a goofy kung fu cato mm-hmm. exploitation movie i welcome goofy dubbing because i'm already kind of laughing at some of the stuff and then like okay i get a few more laughs out of the dubbing like it's perfect
1: yeah this movie had me kind of well laughing at it throughout the whole thing and uh my girlfriend she's just left but she was watching it with me too and she goes what the fuck is this yeah my mom my mom
0: caught a bit of this movie with with me and she was (laughs) she couldn't believe it my dad caught a little bit at the end too so this movie goes off the rails really at the when when we get those like clown characters, mimes, whatever they are, yeah i, the, I actually like hated monkeys i I hate oh, don't call them that because 'cause they're black, uh, I think one of them's <laughs> black, but um I think I think they're Indian, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know well like. this it's confusing because we we get Taiwanese people in Arab face at one point, so the races yeah, that's are the very best. confusing
1: that's my favorite. <laughs>
0: it's never really clear we also get an asian josh gad that was one of my favorite characters the kidnapper yep. with the sideburns he looks just like yep. josh gad if he were like 50 percent asian or something <laughs> like that. Uh,
1: yeah yeah
0: i want to say the main kidnapper josh gad's kind of the second kidnapper the main character reminded me of some like american actor too but i can't think of who it was but i got a lot of entertainment out of just like what random american celebrity this actor kind of looks like or something you know
1: yeah. Well, I guess just to briefly uh, explain what this movie is about, because it really is not much of a plot.
0: There's more of a plot than I was expecting it to. The, the plot is pretty clear. I mean, the movie's not really clear because I don't yeah, really know what those clowns clear. are, but the cl- plot was pretty clear enough.
1: Well, I think the doctor's name is Dr. Ting, but you see his name written down as Dr. T.
0: Yeah. And the newspaper just says Dr. T, which makes you yeah, think I was like, like wow, Mr. Mister T
1: yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> went to college for eight years or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so let's call him Dr. I pity T. the
0: fool who doesn't successfully defend his graduate thesis.
1: Uh, so Dr. T has a daughter named Alice, and Dr. T has invented this way to make food out of petroleum.
0: Oh, it was a pet- I knew it was just like, they describe it as like a way to potentially end world hunger, which is weird yeah. because we're running out of petroleum a lot quicker exactly yeah running but is, out of but food you but remember, this it, is back like mid 70s <laughs> yeah this is, late 70s there was a gas shortage so this might well, actually, not have... i think
1: mid 70s too so maybe this movie was already out of date yeah so this dr t he goes to the middle east or he goes to talk to arabs i guess so maybe like the <laughs> uae maybe uh,
0: and, and they're all <laughs> taiwanese like, arabs yeah this was great
1: and they're like walking out of like a temple like clearly like a like a taiwanese or, or chinese temple
0: so this movie is a Hong Kong-Taiwanese production. I was trying to figure out where it was shot because they drive on the right side of the road, which Hong Kong does not. They drive on the left.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Does Taiwan drive on the right? Because my dad thought that maybe they drive on the left as well, but I don't know. if. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm assuming this movie is probably shot in Taiwan, mostly. Well, or here, where, hold on. I'm going to look
1: it up really quick.
0: Kato, when Bruce Lai goes on a date with um, Dr. Ting's daughter, they, they go to, like, this big Buddha statue, and I was looking up, like... Buddha statues in hong kong there's giant Buddha statues everywhere yeah. but i i think i found one in taiwan that reminded me of this because i think a lot of Buddha statues i think have the right hand up uh and i don't think this one did and it looked like there was one in taiwan that resembled this so i would guess it was shot in taiwan but i don't yeah really know.
1: well i just looked it up and uh in taiwan they drive on the right side of the road
0: okay so this is probably shot in taiwan then yeah. unless hong kong would have been different back then but i don't i don't think so you don't that's such a massive change and if they didn't change when they officially became part of china in like the 90s then i if you're if you don't change then when are you going to change you know so
1: yeah yeah well anyways we learned that dr t has some kind of sickness where he needs to take pills for but that doesn't that, that doesn't come into effect right now.
0: Well, we learn in a very fun away, funny way because he's he's out <laughs> with the Arabs and then he just like falls down. I thought he was shot or something.
1: He like convulses and then falls yeah. down.
0: <laughs> but they're, they're setting up the medicine, which comes back. It's a good setup and a payoff, I guess. I, ge- I know, Yeah, I, I guess. guess.
1: <laughs> now, already, this, this early on in the movie, I'm already confused kind of about who's who and what's what. Like some bad guy is targeting Dr. T because he wants the formula for creating food from petroleum
0: right i don't know who the bad guy i don't know what his name is he's some like white dude this, he's like a lex Luthor type he's like a supervillain type i guess you know yeah but like, he's like I, a ginger or
1: something and then under him he has like some a bunch of goons and like a head goon
0: including josh gad
1: yeah and these guys are instructed to kidnap dr t because i guess he's returned from meeting Arabs. The United and, Taiwanese uh, Emirates. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So they kidnap the doctor and they also kidnap the daughter because she sees them. And Bruce Lai and his and his buddy, they're rolling up to Alice's place. And they're like, oh, my God, isn't that Alice in the car? So they follow Alice and her father
0: to stop you again. Uh, we can get back to the exciting chase scene, which goes on. to. <laughs> 25 minutes yeah, uh, the, I know, first yeah. of all i i i enjoyed the fight scenes in this movie but the chase scenes are awful and they're way too long but there's a lot of chase scenes yes I think but three. i want to i want to talk about bruce lie's buddy we first meet him he is shirtless fighting against other i don't know if these are like green hornet affiliates i i know again my lack of comic book knowledge there are multiple green lanterns is that true of green hornet <laughs>
1: I don't think so. Okay.
0: But he's fighting all these, like, kung fu buddies, and um, And he's shirtless. Shit kicked
1: out of him. (laughs)
0: He's he's doing well until Bruce Lai enters, and Bruce Lai just arrived. They called him in, whoever they is, to protect Dr. Ting. Mm Mm-hmm. This this fight scene is kind of bad because Bruce Lai's buddy... Doesn't seem that great. They, he seems a lot slower in his martial arts than... Br- Bruce light by the way, very good in the, the, the martial arts scenes that we see him in, the fight scenes. He's excellent. His buddy, not as much. His buddy also, I'm not going to say... Listen, he's in a lot better shape than I am or ever will be in, but he is... This is probably the closest to a dad bod I've ever seen in a martial arts film, other than yeah. uh, maybe Franco Nero in Enter the Ninja. I mean, he does not... <laughs> Because we see Bruce Lee shirtless plenty of times, and he's pretty ripped. You know, yeah, he's he's, ripped, he's yeah. in Bruce Lee kind of shape, and his buddy really isn't. His buddy's in Gay Lee Butter
1: shape. You know, what does that mean? Gayly's a a butter company. they have just been eating too much butter. That's that's.
0: is, is that a butter <laughs> company? All the yeah, butter Gay companies, Lee. Lando Lakes. You know, uh, I, Irish. I was going to say Irish Spring. What's the Irish big Irish butter? uh carry gold i think yeah it's not irish yeah. spring that's a soap company you don't want to mix those two up <laughs> although going back to seinfeld kramer discovers that butter is an excellent substitute for shaving cream when he starts shaving in the shower he uses butter the butter shave episode instead
1: <laughs> yeah and then he also accidentally cooks himself in the sun you're right like his, his buddy's not in perfect shape but he's in good enough shape like he's believable you know what i mean
0: hey I, I guess i, I just he, and but I, I think more so than the shape thing his martial arts scene especially this like training scene he does not look nearly as awesome as bruce lie
1: yeah and actually continuing on with the martial arts in this it seemed to me like it was pretty slow
0: well uh, specifically with the with the land of lakes guy
1: yeah well w- with both of them, to be honest. Okay. Uh, l- less so with Bruce Lai, but there were definitely scenes where, like, okay, it-, it just moved a little slower and you could tell things well, that were kind of choreographed. And, a- and also you know? Superman,
0: when we finally meet Superman, we don't meet him until halfway in the movie at least, but yeah. his martial arts is less combat and more just jumping around. Like, he does yeah. a lot of jumping, a lot of, like, trampoline yeah. stuff or wires. It's mostly shot outdoors, so I would guess trampoline.
1: Well, here, I, you know, I'm I'm going to just describe the rest of the movie in, like, two sentences. Because what happens is Dr. T and Alice get kidnapped and then escape and then kidnapped again several times. And Bruce Lai and his Well, she, she, she
0: doesn't get kidnapped a second time, though. No.
1: And, yeah, Bruce Lai keeps coming to their rescue. Eventually, he bruce lee has to fight the superman <laughs> which is like a chinese dude in a white cape lionel richie yeah, exactly yeah that fight really goes nowhere bruce lee just kind of runs away and saves the doctor again when the green hornet shows up at the end like the the movie like <laughs> the whole plot is doctor discovers cure for world hunger and gets captured and escapes and gets captured and then
0: and then needs his pills
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He needs his pills. He needs his medication. That's the whole plot. Well, but... we're,
0: we're, we're, yeah, no. That is, that is the plot. But we're missing some of the. And I want to talk about how obviously this is a Bruce exploitation film. But this is this movie has some things, some elements of exploitation films that you will not see in a Bruce Lee film, i.e., skinny dipping daughter. Yeah, which actually yeah. wasn't as you know they didn't make it as like titillating as they could have they didn't go over the top with it they just have the kidnapper spying on her in binoculars and then josh gad is trying to get his attention but then we get an amazing cat fight because is it Bruce Lai is having sex with someone?
1: Yeah, yes. yes. What so was Bruce Lai is just banging some random chick. Yeah, but after but the, he'd already been kind of like been with Alice and then Alice comes over. Yeah, and
0: then they fight and and the in the cat fight it, it um it gets taken into the bathtub, of course, and it's like this yeah. scene is this is so exploitation <laughs> cinema. I love it. You know, it was so oh, yeah stupid. I was sitting
1: I was sitting there literally I said out loud, I said, What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like it just catfight another Seinfeld out of
0: connection. Raquel Welch catfight.
1: Which by by the way, something we forgot to mention in Emmanuel. My favorite scene in Emmanuel for what the fuck was when the woman is puffing away on a sig out of her vagina. That's pretty awesome.
0: I actually, you know what? I don't think that was in the edit of the movie I had, but I've seen that before, and I know that's like a notorious scene. So that's why I didn't mention it. I think it's possible you saw a hardcore cut of the film because I do remember hearing about that scene. I don't know if I've ever seen it, I guess, but I don't I
1: heard I heard it was in French cinemas, but it was taken out for American release.
0: I would have remembered that scene, right? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a crazy scene. And also, uh, the rape scene in mine lasted longer than it did yours, so I probably watched a different Oh, wait, the, the,
0: which, which, the, the, the opium den rape scene, I guess? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the opium okay. den rape scene. Okay, that makes sense. So I saw the, well, it's still X-rated, but closer to an R-rated version, I guess.
1: This movie has so many great scenes, like that cat fight. One of my favorite bits in this movie is with the rickshaw. When Alice is taking the medication to the bad guys, uh, so that, well, you know, I like they that they her, lower him on a dad. pulley and everything. <laughs> well, I love that she takes a rickshaw to get there to give like Bruce Lee a cover for being there. But then, when the car speeds away, it like shows footage of him sped up, so it looks yeah, like he's like a that superhuman was... running. Which, with <laughs> which,
0: by the way the christopher reeve superman does a pretty similar thing when when it's not christopher reeve it's when he's a teenager but when he outruns a train it's a similar very oh, very yeah. fake looking <laughs> sped up effect
1: after they get to the i guess quote unquote lair where they're keeping dr t and alice is there she's like struggling to to try to get away from them next thing you know all you see is like a rickshaw enter at a, the left of the screen <laughs>
0: oh and he's like screaming as he tries yeah, he's yeah, screaming. He's great. like
1: just running at people with a fucking rickshaw
0: yeah that was that was fun <laughs> also i wanted great. to point out that when he's following her after she's being taken with the medicine yeah. to dr Tang, she's essentially being kidnapped but she's going voluntarily yeah she is like applying makeup and then throws it out the window like so that he knows to keep following that direction except yeah. usually when you have a scene like that it's like a small like thing that the bad guys wouldn't notice you drop and in this case it's like the size of a laptop whatever she throws out like
1: it was huge whatever it was she, she chucks like lipstick something else and, like a compact mirror
0: yeah it was the compact mirror it was barely compact it was like yeah, a full-on <laughs> like household mirror
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no there's so many great this just so many great scenes in this movie can we talk um, about some of
0: the bad scenes i mentioned like the clown mime guys this is during yes. the rickshaw scene this is when he's running away with dr ting these like is it three or four? These it's I four think it's four guys. They stop them and they don't really fight him at first. They kind of just jump around and make noises, which I guess yeah, means like... they're not mimes. Yeah. But <laughs> it's it's just a really weird scene. It goes on for too long. Eventually they have ropes and they're like swinging ropes at him and tying him up. And that was kind of fun. When when it actually got to the fighting of him and those guys, it was fun. But yeah. most of the scene wasn't fighting. Most of the scene was just them jumping around and doing nonsense.
1: Yeah, like, I thought it was really interesting how the movie used reversing the footage.
0: Oh, when Superman jumps out of the water, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, or like, when the when the mime clown people, when they're jumping into the trees, it's clearly reversed, mm-hmm. right? But like, it, it's still, like, it's kind of goofy, but it's kind of neat. I think the worst part about that scene, other than the jumping around and making noise, was when they're throwing, like, those sword disc things at bruce Lee, but they're just like tossing them
0: <laughs> but he and he kept ducking and he'd miss them but then they would catch them yeah but the whole point yeah. was that they were sharp and they could hurt him right but they're just catching yeah. them just fine so like they didn't really seem threatening <laughs>
1: no the greatest introduction of a character i've seen in a long time though is superman when he's like he's doing like chinese calligraphy but he's like spinning around the room and
0: <laughs> he's writing around He's writing with Kung Fu, essentially. Yeah, it's awesome. Which was really cool. I, I agree with that. That looked awesome.
1: Probably my favorite fight scene was the one with Bruce Lai and Superman on the boat. The second boat.
0: one? Oh, on the boat. That's the first one. Okay.
1: Yeah, the first one.
0: I, I like that one a lot. The second one was also really good. Well, my, my favorite thing about the first fight scene between those two is when he knocks superman into the water and superman jumps out of the water onto a cliff again <laughs> yeah. clearly clearly reversed but i'm going to say that they did that really well because they were, the actor stuntman whoever superman must have when he landed in the water he made it look like he was jumping because it looked good
1: yeah it looked really <laughs> it looked really good
0: which means that jump probably hurt like hell because he probably wasn't bracing himself the way you normally no, would yeah. making a jump like that.
1: Ugh. Well, actually, one of the worst scenes in the movie was when Bruce Lai is almost killed by the sniper that the bad guys hire. Okay. He runs up to the top of, like, th- this building to find the sniper, but the snipers are down on the street. So he rappels down the building, which is oh, kind of yeah, neat. Yeah. But then it leads to a foot chase about 10 minutes yes
0: way too long again the the movie has like two chase scenes they both go on way too long there's a car chase that goes on for way too long yeah but the foot chase way too long i agree i mean both chase scenes
1: the foot chase scene the only interesting thing about these chase scenes is getting to see what i guess taiwan looked like back in the mid 70s like there's a really yeah. cool shot where the sniper. Oh, the foot the foot
0: yeah the foot the foot chase scene they run through like a I don't know, a downtown area, some area that looked really neat. And there's a huge
1: Pepsi sign. Did you see that?
0: I saw a huge Coca-Cola sign at one point. I don't know if it was this scene. Really? There's a Pepsi sign. Yeah, no, it's like the um, modern-day DC uh, movie, the way um, 7-Eleven is all over uh, Man of Steel. (laughs) the way Coke and Pepsi are (laughs) all over this movie.
1: It's a shame because these chase scenes don't lead to a good enough payoff <laughs> for the amount of time that you're investing in this fucking yes stupid I, would, scene. I would
0: agree with that although i would say that the fight scene when they cut off the car kidnapping dr ting that is a fun fight scene but I, again yeah. with the amount of time devoted to a not very exciting chase scene it's probably still an underwhelming payoff i agree
1: yeah i'm not even really sure what else to talk about because there's so many weird things i'm trying to look at my notes as well
0: can we talk about Superman's um, henchmen and uh, like why they end up turning against him? Because that was kind of weird. That was weird.
1: That was weird. I think yeah.
0: there was like a line of, about how he wasn't being paid and that's why his guys turned against him or something.
1: One of the guys, one of the bad guys is escaping their hideout or whatever with Alice over his shoulder and these two Superman henchmen who are also like super tough and powerful, they block his way. So when the guy says, hey, move the hell out of my way, they go, no, we don't like how you're treating that woman. Yeah. And then at first it seems kind of like a moral thing. And you're like, oh, wow, they actually have good Oh, morals. yeah, because
0: uh, is this where Josh Gad kind of stops a rape scene from happening? Is this that scene? Oh, I don't. Because uh, oh, there's oh, is, the, white guy, the white guy who kind of looks like John Madden is on top of, <laughs> like, a young John Madden, like, yeah. a Oakland Raiders it is, cause he grabs chain-smoking him, runs on the sideline. Right. Yeah, and Josh Gad stops him, but then Josh Gad ends up just running off with her, I think, right?
1: Yeah, so first it seems like they're standing up for their morals, but then another guy comes out and goes, Why don't you move? We're paying you to help us. And they're like, Paying who? Us? And they're like, Yeah, we're paying you because we're not getting paid. But then it just, there's, like, an immediate cut to the two Superman henchmen <laughs> talking to superman they're like are you getting paid for this and he's like yes and they're like you're a piece of shit
0: <laughs> if this is accurate and i because I, I guess i remember that second exchange where superman says he's getting paid but they're but they're not i don't remember the first exchange where the guy thought he was paying them so just to establish they're okay doing this mission when they're not getting paid but as soon as yeah. they hear they were supposed to get paid then they're like wait a second i don't like this yeah.
1: And then that's when they turn against Superman. You have them, like, actively helping Bruce Lai to take down Superman. That fight against Superman, though, pretty cool.
0: There's some nunchucks. Yeah, that's which awesome. Which, that's, then... that's a very, um, Bruce nunchucks, Lee. it's a very Bruce Lee thing, I believe, because it, it's ninchaku is the word. It's a Japanese word. And I believe nunchucks weren't really used in Chinese martial arts until bruce lee so i think like a lot of mm. movies this is what i got from our friends at the clones cast who i reached out to this is a podcast about Bruce bruceploitation i've only listened to the first couple episodes i like listening to podcasts from the beginning i ought to get back to it they seem like really nice guys when i've reached out to them with some questions about this because initially we selected a different bruce lie film but it was one that we couldn't find anywhere and i asked them yeah. like what what the availability is and they're trying to help us out with that but eventually i'm just like let's just do a different bruce lee film and let's do bruce lee versus superman cuz it's a funny title but i know they said this in one of their episodes that like bruce lee was really especially in china was known for nunchucks cuz that was not a common thing in chinese martial arts so when they have that in a Bruce bruceploitation movie it's it's a definite nod i guess to to bruce lee more so than some of the other fighting styles i guess
1: oh gotcha the nunchuck scene was pretty cool but it the scene became even cooler when superman like showed his spiked uh uh greaves
0: oh yeah he's got like and- Brass knuckle bracelet kind of things. Yeah,
1: yeah, and he starts just kind of like kicking the shit out of Bruce yeah. Lee, he's like stabbing him while he's doing it. Uh, oh yeah, Bruce Lee
0: really gets beat up. There's like blood a lot. Of, there's a lot yeah. bloodier than you would. Again, going back to like there's certain things that are far more exploitation movie than they are Bruce Lee cinema, and that this, that's a good example of like how kind of bloody that fight gets. Not that there's no blood in Bruce Lee movies.
1: Yeah, one of the most confusing scenes in the movie is in the last two and a half minutes. So I knew that the movie was about an hour and a half long. I think it's like an hour 35. But, uh, I was like keeping track of the time. And I was like, this movie's got to be over soon. And it looked like it was nowhere <laughs> close to ending. And you get the bad guys who who have kidnapped the doctor again. They're crossing into the quote-unquote northern territory. And when they get there, they're going to be free as a bird, I guess. And they pull through this uh like police checkpoint which which i
0: think i think could be a, again going back to we think with this movie is shot in taiwan but that could be a their crossing over from hong oh, kong into mainland right. china it could be that they're I you're think they're right okay
1: that. they get through this checkpoint and then the driver pulls the car over and it's this woman who i think we saw briefly earlier in the movie and she turns and points a gun at the at the
0: yeah, I did not remember Main who the woman was. I think you're right. I think we saw her earlier, but yeah, I don't very who briefly. She was. But yeah,
1: she points. This, she just like turns around, points a guy at this bad guy. She's like, "Hey, I'm working with the police. We've got yeah. you." And, and, then and I don't know who you are, that,
0: lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And then as she's doing that, some taxis pull up. And in one of the taxis, out comes the green hornet in his little green hornet outfit, mm-hmm. and Bruce Lee in his little green hornet outfit. Yes.
0: So, okay. <laughs> so let, let's let's talk a little bit about the ending of the scene because uh, the ending of the movie because this is confusing. So it's weird because Bruce Lee is helping the um, doctor escape, and and again, this is when he crashes into the hide out with um the rickshaw. He's got his buddy with him who I again I I thought was was a different guy than the Lando Lakes guy because I thought he looked a little different, but maybe it's still him, I don't know. They help the doctor escape. Doctor gets taken back, I think at some point when the the clown mimes are attacking Bruce Lee. Then yeah. Bruce Lee gets in a fight with Superman. And at this point is this like last, you know, climactic scene in the movie. It's Bruce Lee versus Superman. Bruce Lee has nothing to do at this point with the doctor yeah the green hornet apparently who we haven't seen in an hour and a half is (laughs) saving the doctor but he's doing so with a woman an undercover woman who i guess is working with the police slash the green hornet syndicate and then after superman is defeated then we see dr ting is rescued by the woman and by the Green Hornet, and then also Cato, who is dressed as the Green Hornet, who is Bruce Lee, I yeah. think you said yeah, he was. Yeah. I, I oh, believe totally you. Is. That's who I thought it was, but I wasn't yeah. like again because this makes no sense. I was confused in real time watching this movie. <laughs>
1: I was, I was confused in real time. That's the exa- that's the perfect way to describe that. Yeah, it, the movie made no sense, but it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah so that's so I uh, just Jim overall what did you think of uh Super Dragon versus Superman
1: Patrick the movie made no sense, but overall it was a really fun watch. <laughs> what do you
0: think, buddy? For the most part, I agree i I think there were several scenes that really dragged like some of those again, it's mostly in the middle it's most or I guess towards the end. It's the clowns. It's those scenes that just go on. Like, we know there's going to be a fight scene. Why are we just messing around for five minutes before there's actually a fight scene? Sort of. It's sort of the same story as the chase scenes, except the chase scenes, mm-hmm. however boring they might be, are more exciting than watching those clowns just jump. Yeah. But overall, yes, I did somewhat enjoy the movie. It's it's stupid. It's fun. You know, the, the dubbing is atrocious. I got a lot of enjoyment out of Josh Gad and, like, all these other <laughs> actors that looked like real celebrities like the john madden rapist um yeah and uh, lionel richie superman who's probably the least i think john madden looks more like john madden and josh gad definitely looks more like josh gad than superman looks like lionel richie but i'll take it (laughs) yeah i enjoyed it i you know this is it's not a wall-to-wall entertaining film but it has it certainly has its highlights i thought most of the fight scenes are very well executed for the most part Mm -hmm. i want to introduce to you jim a new segment on this show, and this will not come up every single episode. Okay. But, uh, you know, this is something, I have not briefed you on this, listeners. No. <laughs> this is this is brand new information. But we're going nervous. to call uh, play a game. It's a game show called Has Quentin Tarantino Seen This Movie? And this <laughs> is going to be, we're only going to do this for some of the more obscure or forgotten yeah. movies because we don't, you know, if we're talking, because what are all the movies we know Quentin Tarantino has seen? like obviously he's seen like i'm game talking about death. movies that uh, he's specifically spoken about game of death is is they do the game of death suit in kill bill and um i know he's said the good the bad and the ugly is the best directed film of all time which might be his best opinion i know he's seen the remake of psycho because he famously said it's better than the original psycho which i think by extension means he hasn't seen the original psycho i'm going to make that <laughs> assumption um and that's also the worst film opinion he's ever had but I want, to, I want to discuss this with some of our lesser-known movies, either obscure or just kind of forgotten movies. I know he's seen Dracula's Daughter because in the Eli Roth documentary series, A History of Horror or whatever it was called, they were talking about some lesbian vampire movie or something. And, and this is one of the few times where... Eli Roth shut the hell up because overall, my complaint of that documentary series was that Eli Roth spoke more than his interview participants. <laughs> um <laughs> But, like, they're talking about lesbian vampire movies, probably The Hunger with Susan Sarandon and um, Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie, which is a famous lesbian vampire movie. But Tarantino said, "Like, oh, you know, the lesbian vampire movies that go back to the 1930s And Eli Roth's like, "Really? They do?" And then he's like, "Yeah, oh yeah, Dracula's Daughter," because there is a lesbian charge scene in the nineteen thirty six film Dracula's Daughter. So, like, okay, I am glad that Tarantino brought that up, and I am glad that Eli Roth shut the fuck up for a second so we could hear <laughs> someone talk about it. But so those the so those are some examples of movies I know Quentin Tarantino has seen. Has Quentin Tarantino seen Emmanuel?
1: I mean, he must have,
0: because
1: because everybody saw Emmanuel.
0: Well, yeah, but but it was like a big hit in the seventies. Like, Tarantino is like a twelve-year-old kid, right? When it comes out, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I like.
0: Is I there would've... enough feet action in Emmanuel oh, to, that's a to good question. pique his interest? That's the question.
1: There's definitely feet.
0: Well, every movie has feet. <laughs>
1: I. Yeah, now, know is I mean is Tarantino that. a big
0: ta- fan of the Flintstones? The Flintstones Ew. movie, where they use their feet to propel their cars. Now, probably,
1: what's, now what's grosser, being turned on by the Flintstones or liking anime? And I don't mean sexually. I mean... <laughs> well, there's I'm no other way to, to
0: like it. anime. Is They're all perverts. But I'll say the Flintstones. Oh, okay. if, if you're turned on by the Flintstones, there's something. You, you belong in a, some kind of Home. place where they're going to lock you up and throw away the key. But, <laughs> yeah, so Emmanuel, I, no, I will say, I think it's more likely that Tarantino has seen Bruce Lee versus Superman, then he's seen Emmanuel, believe it or not.
1: Now, see, I'd agree with you.
0: Even though Emmanuel is the far less obscure film in this case. But but this, you know, Bruce Bruce Lai versus Super Dragon or whatever, this movie is far more Tarantino up his alley than Emmanuel is. And again, if Emmanuel had more, you know, foot massage scenes, you know, I'd feel more confident about tarantino having seen emmanuel
1: well you know and i feel like you know if you're watching game of death and all kinds of schlocky martial arts movies i feel Mm -hmm. like this was on his radar at some point well and and i
0: want to say you you mentioned schlocky and certainly but can i just say this makes game of death look like north by northwest like north by northwest is a high class film compared to this (laughs) or, or excuse me game of death is is casablanca you know, it's it's a classiest of films. Yeah, I totally
1: to agree, and that's that's something I was going to point out as well. Like Game of Death comes off as a real, as like a real movie compared to, yeah, <laughs> compared to this.
0: Yeah, it's got the funny Photoshop stuff, but that's all in the in the first half for the most part. And then you get the ninety-year-old dummy getting thrown off the roof with the yeah, Bruce which Lee is scream. Great. But with...
1: it also has real Bruce Lee dead in a coffin. Yes, which is also which great. Is, arguably more more exploitive in this movie
0: (laughs) it's it's more exploitive than anything in this movie (laughs) (laughs) which oh oh, i wanted to say so um (laughs) shit which movie was this uh i I have to think there was a trivia thing i know i saw um but i don't know which of these two movies it was but okay so emmanuel overall the musical score felt very prog rock to me you know that 70s -hmm. kind of prog rock and i did see that it some part of that film uses music from the English prog rock band King Crimson. So I just wanted to point that out for all you King Crimson aficionados out there. I mean, they're not an obscure band. I've never listened to them, uh, but I did want to say. So, so the other the music fact. This is IMDb trivia. Super Dragon versus Superman. Some cuts of Super Dragon versus Superman contain music from The Return of the Pink Pans- Panthers. So the score by Henry Mancini in the Peter Sellers Christopher Plummer <laughs> film. And I want to okay. say. That was not the cut that was on Tubi because I would have recognized that music immediately, and I wish we saw that cut just because I think this type of film deserves to be as exploitive as it can be. You know, we're talking like rip me like the Bruno Mattei movies. He he made a lot of Italian horror movies. He made some of the Black Emmanuel movies, I think, but he made *Hell of the Living Dead*, which is a zombie film, very much a ripoff of *Dawn of the Dead*. And it includes the entire musical score from Dawn of the Dead, from the band Goblin, which is completely unlicensed, and I think that's one of the charms of that movie. And I will say, the clones of Bruce Lee, I want to say, has the Rocky theme in it? Really? I I know (laughs) it has some music from Rocky. I don't know if it has Gonna Fly Now, the Academy Award-winning song from Rocky, but it has some music from Rocky I know, and I thought I got a lot of, I got a big kick out of that. So I wish we could have seen or heard some rip-off music in this movie. Maybe we did, but it wasn't music that I recognized.
1: Also, you know, the chase scenes must have been so slow because they were actually filming on like on roads that were in use, right? Because there's no way they, they blocked off stretches of highway or anything
0: probably but it didn't stop the french connection from creating one of the greatest chase scenes ever even though they almost killed a baby in the middle of that scene so it's like there are ways to do good chase scenes on scenes that you don't have the permits to, on roads that you don't have the permits to film on this movie just didn't pull it off
1: (laughs) they didn't pull anything
0: off so which of these two movies jim do you prefer emmanuel or super dragon versus Superman.
1: Definitely Super Dragon versus Superman. I say this a lot, and I like the shittier movie, not because it's a better film or it's shot better or anything, but because it was just so enjoyable to watch because of its sheer stupidity and the strange things that were going on in it constantly. It was just. Such an exciting, enjoyable watch.
0: <laughs> All right, now, and, and I'm going to say you're you're acting defensive here. Now, I have given you some some shit in the past because you know preferring Deathstalker to De Viva Las Vegas, insane. <laughs> but I'm I'm going to say this isn't insane here. I mean, overall, if you're just trying to sit down, watch a movie, just enjoy yourself, not jerk off. This is the far more entertaining <laughs> movie. Than Emmanuel, Um, Uh, yeah. I will say, I I like. This is the first time the entirety of this podcast that I'm glad we're doing it remotely because I didn't want to watch Emmanuel with you and possibly your girlfriend. That would have just been weird.
1: Yeah, that would have been awful.
0: But no, I I do prefer Super Dragon versus Superman. It just has more stuff that's entertaining to me. Maybe a really 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 good sex scene with like really attractive people might be better than like a good fight scene, but. I don't know. You get a bunch of fight scenes that are all pretty good, competent, even if a lot of the way things are shot aren't particularly competent. And it's like I'll take that over, you know, really all Emmanuel has to offer. I mean, there's a good Sylvia Cristel performance, but it's sex scenes and some nice Bangkok locations and stuff. But like those are the kind of that's kind of the appeals of, of that stuff. So I'm gonna go with the far less compelling dramatic film super dragon versus superman in part also because emmanuel isn't as compellingly dramatic as it probably could be or should be
1: i'd agree with that and i also want to say super dragon versus superman this is kind of like our podcast was made to talk about shit like this
0: yeah this and pieces <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that yeah. yeah like like we're going to cover a classy movie here and there obviously like we've got the terminator coming up later this season like we've got some big mainstream stuff but you know we want to we want to get some obscure. we want to talk about some stuff you've never heard of or seen maybe we can <laughs> turn some of you on to watching these films you know because this one is on tubi so you know go check yeah. it out it is under the title bruce lee versus superman under on tubi i think or maybe bruce lee versus supermen Yeah, I'm not sure. It's it's one of those two.
1: Now, Patrick, how do you feel about uh, this one being a double feature?
0: I think, in a lot of ways, this is the worst double feature we've ever had. In terms (laughs) of the films, just absolutely do not complement each other, and they're also not that entertaining. Like we talked about, Super Dragon vs Superman, like it's pretty entertaining, but like it's not as entertaining as a genuinely good movie. No, and then Emmanuel is you know I guess you have to be in the right mood for Emmanuel and that right mood is horny mood. as hell, yeah. <laughs> um, you know so like they're not the most entertaining movies overall like so I'm going to say it's not a good double feature but but I do think it has potential as like a both of these films are kind of fascinating little I, I think I used the word curiosity earlier to describe Emmanuel and that's both of these films are curiosities to to me about like how weird life was in the 70s, right, where you have this, like, mm-hmm. major porno hit and then over in Hong Kong we have, you know, Bruce Lee is dead. Let's pretend we have him in this in this movie. Like, I think those those are kind of interesting. They're both maybe niche film movements or genres, but the Bruce-plotation... <laughs> and then the emmanuel which has its own exploitation movies made around it the emmanuel exploitation the black emmanuel i think there's like if you really just want to see some of the oddities that the 70s had to offer i think this is potentially an okay double feature but like overall like if you're just looking to watch two movies back to back no it's not a good one jim what about you
1: well, as you know, I rarely say any two movies together are good. And uh, you've
0: got you've gotten better. I think I think you've overcorrected after I called you out a bit. Not, then for a while, it seemed like you said like anything was okay. As, as feature. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to say about this one. No, I think you, I, I think uh, you're easily influenced.
1: <laughs> I think I am, and that's my problem. But I I will say, like I, I agree with you. I don't think it, they work well together. But it's kind of funny because we have two movies that are similar in in as you were describing
0: it uh oh there's another seinfeld connection by the way there's the rickshaw i forgot about that there's, yeah there's a lot of seinfeld because con- <laughs> kramer right. and newman yeah. newman start a rickshaw business where they employ homeless people to <laughs> drive rickshaws around <laughs> manhattan
1: that's great yeah
0: a lot of seinfeld connections we got the cat fight we got um well somehow we got on the butter shave that was my doing and then obviously rochelle rochelle being the big one and and Superman itself is a Seinfeld thing. Oh, is Superman's he? obsessed with Seinfeld. Yeah, he's oh. got a Superman magnet on his fridge. I I had heard at one point. I don't think this is necessarily true, but I had heard that there is a Superman reference in every episode because Jerry Seinfeld, like as a kid, I guess grew up was a big Superman fan or something. I I don't know if, how true that is, but I know there's like a lot of like there's the um, bizarro Jerry. Yeah. Um, there's a, a someone is Elaine's Lex Luthor at one point. So like there's some Superman stuff in Seinfeld.
1: Well, other than the Seinfeld connection, it's funny cause these movies are similar. Like, as you were saying, they're both curiosities of the, of the period right. and of their own kind of genre, but also you have two movies that are filmed in the Asian part of the world. Yeah. Uh, you have two movies that kind of have pacing issues. But w- one movie breaks I out. Sp- I don't know
0: if Emmanuel has pacing issues. It's just not the most entertaining all Or it's just a, a slow like movie a, in general. Yeah, it's a consistent pace, I think.
1: And you have one movie that where spontaneous fights break out, and the other movie, it appears that spontane- uh, spontaneous sex breaks out.
0: Spontaneous borderline rape breaks yeah, out. That <laughs> yeah, that too. Sometimes not borderline.
1: Yeah, I-, I don't know. Like It's funny that you have two movies that are they share some similarities, I guess, but they're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum from each other. So I agree with you. (laughs) They don't make a good double feature.
0: (laughs) So let's see what we're doing, Jim. All right. So the band is getting back together because we've got The Curse of Frankenstein. We just did The Mummy a few weeks ago. This is director Terrence Fisher back. We got Peter Cushing back playing a scientist. This time he's Dr. Frankenstein rather than an archaeologist exploiting the Egyptian people. And we've got Christopher <laughs> Lee once again playing the monster. And then we have Ringu, the Japanese Ring oh. movie, the original from the 1998, I think, that kind of... Started the J horror craze of the like early two thousands. Might not have started it, but uh, I think the The Ring, the Naomi Watts movie, I think was like the first big American remake of a Japanese horror movie around that time. So I think that maybe it's the remake that kind of started that the remake craze, if you will. But The Ring, pretty interesting movie, Curse of Frankenstein, excellent film. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty good episode. Next episode.
0: Yeah, well, it should make up for this one then.
1: <laughs> this was a great one. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a joke.